Welcome to the Doxology and Theology Podcast presented by the Institute for Biblical Worship at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. That's right. I said the Doxology and Theology Podcast. It's a podcast for worship leaders who know that the gospel is so good, it has to be sung. I'm your host, Matthew Westerholm, Associate Professor of Church Music and Worship at Southern Seminary and the Executive Director of the Institute for Biblical Worship. On today's episode, we are dipping into our worship resources to bring you a clip by Matt Boswell. Pastor Boswell is the founding and senior pastor at the Trails Church in Prosper, Texas. He is a modern hymn writer and the founder of this ministry, Doxology and Theology. Additionally, Dr. Boswell serves as assistant professor of church music and worship here at Southern Seminary. Open your Bible with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. And as you're turning there, I want to say what a joy it has been to be gathered over the last few days. I want to just personally thank Drs. Westerholm and Bruton for their leadership here on campus, to Dr. Moeller and Southern Seminary for being such gracious hosts to us. Um, thank you to the event team here and all of the uh, event AV teams. Thank you for the excellence that you have done all of this with. And thank you to my assistant Jennifer Haig back in Texas who has played an instrumental role and Evan Jarms without whom this, this conference would not be possible. Uh, and I want to thank you for investing your time and, and money to be a part of this conference. Over the last 10 years, the Lord has done a special work, uh, I trust, through the ministry of doxology and theology in our commitment to equip and encourage worship leaders in gospel-centered ministry. My prayer to the Lord coming into this conference and now as we leave is that these few days thinking together about the nature and the character of our great God who is one in three has been a great encouragement to you. This is a community of learning worshipers. And I'm thankful that, that you've been able to learn from some of the men that I've been learning from, that I've learned much from. I'm grateful for God's grace and the gifts he's, he's given the church in our plenary speakers, H.P. Charles, and his zeal for the Lord and for his word. Kevin DeYoung and his passion to articulate clearly very complex things in order that we might understand and know God in his word. Michael Reeves and, and his love for Christ that uh, just saturates his message. And Matthew Westerholm for his careful thinking about the subject of worship. We have learned together. And standing at the center of all of this singing and preaching in breakout sessions is the great and glorious, majestic, transcendent, imminent, unchanging, everlasting, all-powerful, eternally blessed triune God. God 
and his glory are the aim of, of it all, of your life, of my life, of our churches, of this conference, God in his burning glory. What I aim to do in these closing minutes is, is simply to shepherd us as we conclude this concentrated look at the Trinity. I want to share with you, uh, to begin, one of the most impactful quotes in my life. As a young worship leader, reading was not a part of my life. And one of the first books that I set out to read in order that I might grow as a disciple of Jesus is a book by J.I. Packer entitled Knowing God. And on the first page of chapter one, he begins with an extended quote. And I would like to read it to you in its entirety now. It has been said by some that the proper study of mankind is man. I will not oppose the idea, but I believe it's equally true that the proper study of God's elect is God. The proper study of a Christian is the Godhead. The highest science, the loftiest speculation, the mightiest philosophy which can ever engage the attention of a child of God he has our attention, is the name, the nature, the person, the work, the doings, and the existence of the great God whom he calls his Father. There's something exceedingly improving to the mind in a contemplation of the divinity. It's a subject so vast that all our thoughts are lost in its immensity so deep that our pride is drowned in its infinity. Other subjects we can compass and grapple with, in them we feel a kind of self-content and go our own way with the thought, behold, I am wise. But when it comes to this master science, finding our plumb line cannot sound its depth, and that our eagle eye cannot see its height, we turn away with the thought that vain the man would be wise, and he's like a wild ass's colt. And with the solemn exclamation, I am but of yesterday and no, nothing, no subject of contemplation will tend more to humble the mind than thoughts of God. We shall be obliged to feel, and then Spurgeon quotes Isaac Watts, which he did all the time. Great God, how infinite thou art, what worthless worms we are. And while the subject humbles the mind, it also expands it. I'm still quoting Spurgeon. Nothing will so enlarge the intellect, nothing so magnify the whole soul of man as a devout, earnest, continued investigation of the great subject of the deity. And whilst humbling and expanding, this subject is eminently consolatory. Oh, there is in contemplating Christ a balm for every wound. In musing on the Father, there is a quietus for every grief. And in the influence of the Holy Ghost, there is a balm for every sore. Would you 
lose your sorrows? Would you drown your cares? Then go. Plunge yourself in the Godhead's deepest sea. Be lost in its immensity, and you shall come forth as from a couch of rest, refreshed, invigorated. I know nothing which can comfort the soul. So calm the swelling billows of grief and sorrow, so speak peace to the winds of trial as a devout musing upon the subject of the Godhead. And it's to that subject that I invite you this morning. Charles Haddon Spurgeon began a sermon just like that in the year 1855 as he was preaching from Micah chapter 3, verse 6. I am the Lord, I change not. And I wonder if we consider and as we arrive at the end of this conference focused on the Trinity, that each of us could say that our minds have been humbled and expanded as we have thought about God. I pray that's true. But I, I want to just focus in on the final sentiment of this great quote. And from it, I should like to direct your attention to these promises, these consolations that Spurgeon presents to us as the people of God thinking about our God. Perhaps you stand in need of a healing balm from our gracious God. Maybe there is a silent grief that you bear that you need him to speak to or you need to hear God's voice. You're desperate to hear God's voice speak into some sorrow that you bear. May I so boldly remind us this morning, look to the Father in whom there is no shadow of turning toward you. Look to the Son, God the Son, who bled and died for you as a demonstration of his great grace toward you. Look to God the Spirit, who has both sealed and filled your heart with the promises of God, with the presence of God. Look unto God. So in closing, I have some brief words of scriptural exhortation that I pray would mark your life as we meet to part and part to meet. These reminders are found in familiar, this familiar Trinitarian benediction that Christians have treasured throughout the ages. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. And from that text, I just want to draw out three comforts that are yours because of the work of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you are in Christ, these words are true. These comforts are yours regardless of the circumstance of your life and they have no expiration date. Comfort one, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is with you. Comfort two, the love of God is with you. Comfort three, the fellowship 
of the Holy Spirit is with you. Let's hear now from God's holy and inerrant word. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. The first comfort from this benediction is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is with you. The Pauline letters are brimming with the mention of the grace of Jesus given to us. Paul seems not to be able to get too far in any of his letters without mentioning it. Why? Because he understands our need to be reminded and reminded and reminded of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that was given to us. I'm not sure the suffering or trial that you have personally shouldered over the last year, but I am certain that the grace of Jesus Christ has not once choked down in its flowing supply to you. It's a source that is endless. His grace is an endless stream. And His grace is tasted and enjoyed in every common gift, every ray of sunshine, every brisk of morning air that we enjoy. But His grace is on full display on how He has crowned us, His people, with the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. So brothers and sisters, may I remind us this morning that God's grace has been given to us in full in Christ. And and maybe as an exercise of worship that we might even now retrace our thoughts toward the evidences of his grace in our lives. How have you known and experienced the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ? How have you known that grace? It's far more than we ever could have asked or imagined. Supplied to us in Jesus. All through his grace. Causes us to sing by remembrance. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Daily, I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Comfort one. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is with you. Comfort two, the love of God is with you. Love of the Father. You've not known a moment of your life without it. You will not know a moment of your life without it. The love of the Father. When our kids were small, we would love to read the Jesus Storybook Bible by Sally Lloyd-Jones. And our copy was so worn thin and that binding so mangled, we had to replace our copy with another. And it was there that I came across the comfort of the words that she describes the hesed of God, his covenantal love toward us as his people. She called it the never stopping, never giving up, 
unbreaking, always and forever love. And so may I remind you that in Christ, you know the never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love of the Father. And this he demonstrated his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for you. God's love for you has nothing to do with your effectiveness for him. He didn't set his love on you because of the gifting that he's entrusted to you or the size of the ministry that you serve in or the fact that you can write songs or do great arrangements. None of that matters. And not one ounce of it earns the love of the Father toward us. You know why he loves you? Because he loves you. There's a guy at the Nashville airport that I've gotten to know over the last oh, decade or so. His name is Herbie. And um, anytime I think about renting cars, I think about Herbie. Every time I see him, the last thing he says to me is, I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> what a great reminder is that. You need to be told that daily, momentarily. I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. That's what the love of the Father toward us is like. He loves you. And there is nothing you can do about it. Before the foundations of the world were laid, the Father set his love on you. And in the fullness of time, sent Jesus Christ so that you would be his forever. So let me just assign a bit of homework as we conclude this conference. That's what the world needs is more homework. Tear through the scripture this weekend. From the words in the beginning to the last and great amen. And see if it's so. Find the places in Scripture that tell us of the love of God toward his covenantal people. And then do it again and again and again. And record those. Write those things down. Evidences of the love of God toward us until your pen runs out of ink. Could we with ink the ocean fill? Or were the sky of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. The love of God is with you. And the final comfort from this little benediction is that the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with you. The word fellowship carries the full weight of Pauline partnership, close communion. We're in this together, the nearness of this word and all that it communicates. 
Love how last night Kevin DeYoung reminded us of the Spirit and his work in our lives, how the Spirit convicts us of sin, converts us to Christ, applies the truth of God to our hearts and glorifies the Son in and through us. And so if we were to put Kevin's words beside the words of Paul here in this benediction, we might pray this. Oh God, let the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, which converted me to Christ, what brought life to my deadness. Let it continue to convict me of sin in the pursuit of holiness and apply to my heart the truth of your word in order that I might bring you glory, that I would know the fellowship, the nearness, the presence, the indwelling of the Spirit. And I think in that kind of prayer we get a sense of communion with Christ by enjoying this fellowship in his converting, convicting, applying, glorifying spirit. If at the end of all of these conversations about church music and liturgy and art and theology, if at the end of it we don't leave more committed to grow in communion with God, this has all been a massive waste of time. Because at the burning center of all of this stands the glory of Jesus Christ. Arms stretched wide, come and know me. God created you for good works. How do I know that? Well, Ephesians 2.10 says so. But he created you first and foremost that you might enjoy fellowship communion with him. That word communion is one of my favorite words in the English language, maybe the favorite word. You were made to glorify God by enjoying him forever in endless communion with God, endless fellowship with his spirit. So press on. And when we wander, Lord, protect us Keep us in the master's way. Let thy strong, swift sword protect us, warring in the evil day. And from the pen of Samuel Stone in 1886. Shall the church now faint or fear when the comforter is near? Oh, what a comfort. So I pray as we have plunged ourselves in the Godhead's deepest sea, or at least, you know, splashed around in the shallow end, and been lost in its immensity, that we shall now come forth as from a couch of rest, invigorated. Pastor, worship leader, church leader, servant of God, brother and sister, look to the Father in whom there is no shadow of turning in love toward you. Look to the Son, God the Son, who bled and died for you as a demonstration of great grace. Look to God the Spirit, who has both sealed and filled your heart with the promise and presence of God. Look to the triune God. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. We've customarily closed this conference by singing the doxology, and so uh, let me invite you now to lift your voice with us wherever around the world you may be, and let's sing together. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. That is a hard place to stop, but if you'd like to hear more, go to our website, biblicalworship.com, and click podcast. We are happy to share with you the entire thing for free. While you are on our website, you can find information concerning other free worship resources from the Institute for Biblical Worship and the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. That's biblicalworship.com. That's what we've got for you this time on the Doxology and Theology podcast. Our show is produced by the uber-competent Juan Leon, engineered by Caleb Sherwood. And the music is by our good friend Joel Nagus. Listen to that quintuple swing. Until next time, this is Dr. Matthew Westerholm reminding you, friends, the gospel is so good, it has to be sung. Peace be with you. Thank you.